Cincinnati, Ohio. What's going on, guys? Welcome to the show. This is Sports with Strawberry Ice. I'm your host, the Iceman, Jeff Trenopol. And as always, I'm bringing you sports from a West Side point of view right here in the great city of Cincinnati, Ohio, home of Flying Brian Pillman, John Moxley, who they're here last night for AEW. It was awesome. I love people representing the city. They were representing the city. That was awesome. Now, do me a favor. If you found the show, hit that like and subscribe button. Smash that thumbs up. I'm up to 1,355 subscribers. That is awesome. As always, I appreciate every single one of you guys. Now, if you're watching the show on YouTube, or excuse me, YouTube, I'll try it again. If you're watching the show on Facebook or Twitter, 
do me a favor, go to the YouTube channel, Sports with Strawberry Ice. And if you have not subscribed, hit the subscription button, hit the bell for the notification. And every time we go live, you'll be notified. Also, exclusively in the YouTube channel, we're doing super chats. So if you want to support what I'm doing, I'd greatly appreciate it. You can give me a super chat. Now I'm coming to you live from the Ice Bar. The Ice Bar is brought to you by T Properties. T Properties, quality housing for quality people. Check out their website at www.tpropertiesllc.com for all your rental property management needs and your rental needs. All right, guys, tonight is the night. Some team named the Buccaneers. Woo! Somebody's excited about it. I think that's Mrs. Ice. She's over there. They're playing tonight, and they're playing against the Cowgirls. Is, is that who they're playing, I think, honey? Yeah. yeah. Sure. Okay. Yeah, she doesn't even know. She just knows the Buccaneers are playing. Oh, Hang on. <laughs> Cowboys. <laughs> Cowboys, cowgirls, whatever. Football starts tonight. She's excited. I'm excited. The Bengals play Sunday. Super Bowl chance. Yeah, Super Bowl chance. Yeah, whatever. It's, it's just, that, that's over now. It's over. After tonight, you get your ring and you just go away, and then everybody can get back to zero. Whatever, dude. <laughs> whatever, dude. But Sunday, the Bengals start, and I got to bring in my boy, Evan McPhillips. He's Full of energy, loves to talk football, and I enjoy having him on the show. So let's get to it. Evan, what's going on, brother? Hey, man, what's going on? Appreciate you having me. No problem, dude. So, did you were you excited as I was to see uh, Brian Pillum uh, yelling out, "He's from the streets of Cincinnati, Ohio." Welcome to the jungle. <laughs> I mean, man, that opener that I saw somebody say that they should play that before the uh, before the games in the stadium, man, that that got me hype. I'll, I'm ready for the game now. I got to yeah, wait exactly. all the way till Sunday. Shoot. <laughs> yeah, that is from uh, Blacklight Productions. And the guy who's doing the rap, the rapper is if Vader. I've had him on the show before and it's awesome. They made it. I don't know, a month ago, a couple weeks ago, four weeks ago, something like that. And uh, they tweeted out and copied me on them. Dude, this is awesome. I said, oh, can I great. play this on my show? They're like, absolutely. I'm like, that's that's my intro now. And I just had the flying Brian Pillman thing. So Joe Mixon came out today. And I don't know if you guys see his his uh his uh press conference, but he's excited about the season. And he said he's ready to put this city on his back. I think he is about to have his best year, all purpose year. And I've said this. I think he has a chance of getting close to 2,000 total yards from scrimmage because he's going to be an every down back now, and he's going to be out on pa- on you know uh, pass catching now. What what's your thoughts on uh, Joe Mixon and, and his season coming up? I think it's really encouraging to see him take that mentality because you want to see that, especially with a lot of the veteran leadership from the previous era is kind of gone now. So. Tyler Boyd, Joe Mixon, these are kind of the longstanding offensive veterans. So to see Mixon stepping up and really kind of taking on that role and taking it personally, especially after they gave him that big contract, you can tell he wants to prove something. And we all know he has the talent. The circumstances haven't necessarily been there between some weird things with coaching, between offensive line, and also just not having uh, good offensive line personnel because of the personnel or because of the injuries or just weird scheme stuff, the quarterback being either injured with Joe Burrow, and so you have Ryan Finley, or you have Andy Dalton and Ryan Finley jumping back and forth, just this medley where they can really key in. Defenses can really key in on Mixon. So now with Jamar Chase, with T. Higgins, with Tyler Boyd and Joe Burrow, 
they can't key, key in so much on Mixon. So they can find ways. We know when Mixon's healthy, what kind of special talent he is. With this line, with Pollock back managing that, the, the switch to that wide zone system, I, I think it's going to help him be very productive. And if he can stay healthy, I think this is going to be the best season that we see from Joe Mixon, absolutely. Yeah, and, and I mean, the last time he had his best season, some guy named Frank Pollock was his offensive line coach, and now he's the running coordinator. So I think it all is painting out as long as he stays healthy, you know. Got to knock on wood. Um, right. I think he's going to have a really good year. Now, I I got to give credit to Bengals captain. He tweeted this out, and I couldn't find it again. But I don't know if you uh, watch or listen to the Dan Patrick show, but apparently he – I'm not trying to quote him. I might be quoting him wrong, but apparently he said something about the Bengals offensive line collapsed this, pre, this preseason or something like that. And I'm like – what are you talking about? I mean, we I don't think they gave up one sack in the preseason. No. I mean, they actually have looked pretty darn good now. It's preseason, so you right. can't get too excited about it. But compared to what we've had to deal with the last couple of years, I think our offensive line has been looking pretty good. What's your thoughts on that? Well, let's think about preseason, right? Because anytime you get excited about something, someone says, oh, it's preseason. But as soon as you want to dismiss something that's relatively minor or because it's preseason, people go, well, no, 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 it means something, right? And so that's the thing. And obviously things from the preseason don't necessarily carry over to the regular season for obvious reasons from the noise from offenses being vanilla, not necessarily their scheme. A lot of starters resting, defensive schemes being very bland. So um, between all that, obviously there's not a a lot of transfer. It's very nice to see those back end roster guys kind of come in. But uh, I definitely don't agree that the the offensive line just imploded. I think that's just something that sounded good and they thought, oh, people will listen to this and that'll be okay. And, you know, that will, that'll just fly. And everyone will be like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. You're right. Yeah. I think they only gave up one sack, and that was, I think, raced by a penalty. So it didn't even really count. And then also they just they, – they weren't bad. Like that's – I can't yeah, imagine. Yeah, they weren't that. bad. That's the thing yeah. is like, yeah, you definitely saw parts where you're like, hey, Jackson Corman could be a little better here. Or, hey, like Michael Jordan looked pretty good here, but maybe he could be a little better here. Like there were definitely – encouraging things that you saw from Deontay Smith and such that you said, okay, there's some promising signs as people get experience. And that's something you definitely want to build on and definitely helps your players get experience. But yeah, for them to just say that the line imploded that, uh, I mean, that's just not correct. I mean, that's just wrong. Like that's all you can say is it's just wrong. Yeah, welcome to the, to the national narrative for the Bengals. They don't, I mean, I, I, uh, I think it was Anthony Kuzenzo. listening to him yesterday from a uh, Sizzy. Uh, in Orange and Black Insider podcast, and I guess the Athletic did a story, and some "quote unquote" expert talking about the Bengals saying be four and twelve, and well, I don't really know what they even tried to do. I don't, I don't even know what their offense is supposed to look like, and I, I don't, really, I, you know, there's discombobulated, and they're, they're, I don't know what they're trying to do on defense. I'm like, have you paid attention? I mean, we drafted a guy named Jamar Chase. We have arguably the best three wide receivers in football. We got arguably one of the best running backs. In football, our offensive line has gotten better. Our linebackers are going into our sec- their second year. We got some uh, some some studs, I think, in the middle there uh, on our three tech with Ogunjobi and then DJ Reader right, right next to him. I think, like, I think it's kind of obvious what they're trying to do, especially offensively. I always get on the the national narrative that it just drives me nuts. These guys just say the same stuff and don't do any research. Right. And it's quite easy to kind of, and that may be something that they kind of said offhand where, you know, 
when someone gets asked like on a radio show, like, Oh, well, what do you think? Just what are the odds that you think that they make the make the playoffs or not necessarily the Bengals, just any team right. in like you know, just casual conversation, right? And then they accidentally go like, oh, like maybe fifty percent, and then you start to realize like, oh wait, that only leaves fifty total for the other teams. Maybe it's not quite that, right? So when you start to think about what do they have on the schedule first, you just named all the talent that they do have. When you sit down and go, well, they do have some good players and good weapons in this they could find their way to at least four wins, right? So you're already at just looking at the talent. Then you look at the fact that they have the Jaguars, the Jets, the Lions on the schedule, and you go, okay, even if they don't beat all these teams, there's definitely a couple of winnable games in there paired with, you know, just some of those one-score fluky NFL week-to-week type things. So just from that natural, I mean, the Texans are looking at being the worst team in the league and they're projected to win four games. So for them to say the Bengals are going to win four games, that's just, I mean, again, when you just think about it for a second, it's just not even close to factually like accurate. You would, you'd be some catastrophic implosion because even the Texans who are currently trying any way they can to get rid of their good players for anything and get old players that people don't necessarily want, they're projected to win four games. So, I mean, the Bengals would almost have to actively be losing and trying to lose to not reach that mark. So that's, again, just people being offhanded and silly, and that's just ridiculous. Right. But, of course, it's it's trendy, and it's fun to bash on the Bengals. So Of course. It's well, it's an easy – it's it's lazy. <laughs> you yeah. want to have a – it's lazy. It just, yeah, it's lazy. Let's get to some AFC North news. Now, I came out that the Rappers lost another running back. So they're down three running backs this year. Uh, and now uh, Roy here is saying that J.J. Watt and the Squares have reached a four-year, $12 million contract, and that makes him the highest-paid defensive player. So a couple things here. Mm-hmm. With the uh, Ratbirds losing, I think I'm pretty sure it's their third uh, running back they've lost in the preseason. They, they've signed Le'Veon Bell, and Le'Veon Bell, let's be honest, Hasn't done a whole lot since he's left the Squealers. Yeah. How much – and this is what I want the Ravens to have to do. I want them to have to rely on Lamar Jackson to throw the ball because – and, and th- that means him staying in the pocket throwing the ball, you know, because I don't think he's that accurate of a passer. He can throw it. You know, everybody goes, oh, you're on Lamar Jackson. He can throw it. He's, he, he's a good quarterback. He's not that accurate. You don't want to rely on him throwing the ball. And that's where I think that comes into where the Bengals and other teams have a chance to beat them. So, well, first question, where are you at on the Ravens and with their running back situation and my thoughts on how we can beat them? Um, I think that it definitely is beneficial that they're losing out on their starting. It's beneficial to the Bengals, obviously, that they're losing out on those starting uh, running backs. And Gus Edwards and J.K. Dobbins, obviously very talented. Um the thing is that threat, the quarterback threat, is such a boon to running back production. Um, generally, it increases the yards per carry, I think, almost by a full yard, almost yard and a half, when your quarterback is a threat to run or a dual threat. So if just that production, and we know how replaceable the running back position generally can be sometimes, I think they'll find a way to patch it together. Clearly, it won't be as effective as it would be with the J.K. Dobbins. But if we're talking about, you know, 80 percent of the production that Dobbins would give you, you know, are we talking like 150 less total like rushing yards on the season? Like, you know, it it may be minimal across, you know, 17 games. It may be 20 yards here or there. Right. Um, So it's definitely helpful in the terms that it weakens them. 
but I, I don't know if it's necessarily a giant uh, a giant boon to the Bengals' chances of beating them necessarily. But I do think you definitely want to try and make Lamar throw the ball, and maybe that does kind of lend them as they get healthier, as they get uh, as they get their receiver Rashad Bateman back, as they get uh, Hollywood kind of reoriented. Mark Andrews is starting to get his flow. He's better one of the better young tight ends when he's healthy. Um, I think they're still weapons. They're just not quite so healthy right now. And I think that could see them struggle out of the gate and maybe the Bengals could capitalize that. The problem is that they play them toward the back end of their schedule when they're generally going to be a little healthier. So maybe they've hit their stride, but I do think you're right. Le'Veon Bell has not had the same juice since he left the Steelers. We see this with running backs, how they have that quick shelf life where Generally, there's a steep drop-off around 27 or 28 years old in the middle of that second contract. Um, I, I think they'll just get with what they have and maybe get another guy off the waivers. Maybe they pull that Ravens thing where they get a sixth-round pick or a seventh-round pick to someone, and they give them just a good player for no reason, right? It yeah, just seems right, like right. they always find at least one team to do that with. So yep. I think it's helpful, but maybe not so much. And I, I do agree that trying to make Lamar – throw the ball as opposed to letting them play that aggressive defense and run the ball like they want to is probably a good way to beat them. Exactly. Let's get to the Jesse Bates here. I want to read uh, Jesse Bates' contract. At least I hope they sign well. Read what Blackthorne said. It said, uh, hey, Ice, I saw the Ravens saw a Ravens article today, and it didn't outright say it, but it was suggested they are paying close attention to Bates' contract. Not good. Where are you at on Bates? Do you think they're going to sign him before – the season starts, and with with now T, uh, now with TJ Watt signing, and before that uh, Jamal uh, Adams signing a big contract. How does this, in your opinion, affect where Bates is at? Because I'll put it to you this way: he's at least top five. Because say they don't sign him before the season starts, and they tag him next year, that's top five. So what are they bickering about? Or in your opinion, where where, where do you think they're at? The one question that the Bengals should really be asking is, uh, do you want that extension in cash or check? Okay, because that's <laughs> right. they need to hand him the money. He's he's the engine that drives that defense. He's the the player that, again, we've heard the we've heard the talk, right? The homegrown talent. You've let the homegrown talent walk in recent years. So, if you really want to stand by that, you should definitely pay the guy who has reached his peak, has looked like one of the best safeties in the league in the last year, and has been on an upward trajectory since he entered the league, and has clearly done an excellent job and has looked to as a respected veteran and leader of the team, not just the defense. You've got Joe Burrow out here lobbying him. him. Obviously, the the rest of the league is very interested in what goes on because he's such a young player who's in his prime and maybe not even there quite yet who is going to hit the open market. And the longer that they wait – the more expensive he's going to get as some of these younger safeties go to sign these other deals. So really they're only shooting themselves in the foot, which is the ridiculous part because they're probably what's you asked, what's holding it up. It's probably the guarantees. We know the Bengals don't like to give large guarantees. Whereas, you know, sometimes they're wanting players are wanting half or a little more guaranteed these days. And we saw Kirk cousins with the fully guaranteed contract. It's, it's really just been everyone asking for more guaranteed money. And the Bengals have been reluctant to do that, even though they would typically honor the, the length of the contract, regardless. Um, it's, it's something small that they get hung up on. That's very frustrating. It's just kind of a, 
a smaller market organization that's tight with their money. That's, you know, it's, it's just their, their kind of their history. And you would hope that they would break pattern for a guy like Jesse Bates. They're definitely going to have to, to keep Joe Burrow. So break the habit right now, show that you're willing to commit to the guy, give Jesse Bates the money and let him be the captain of your defense for the next four five, six years. Yeah, I mean the, the the way they're treating him, he is a captain. You know, they they right. got them. They're coming out with uh, videos with him on it. You know, the the new stripes, the t- back together again, all these videos. So everything is that's you're not going to do that to a guy that you're not planning on keeping. <laughs> so I think they're planning on keeping him. I don't understand why they're doing this. I mean, I, well, I put this one, and I've said this before. I give credit to Anthony Kazenza from Orange Black Insider Podcast, and he's right. The Bengals historically don't pay safeties and they don't pay guards. That's the narrative for the Bengals that has to change. You got to be willing to pay these guys because the longer this takes, the more money Jesse Bates is going to make. And just, just get it done. <laughs> you know, that's, that's where I'm at. Just get, and, and it was a couple years ago that AJ Green signed his contract extension. Like when he was getting on the plane or he was on the plane heading to either the last preseason game or the first game of the year. So right. I, Still holding out hope that's going to happen, but we'll see. Um, Marvin uh, wants to know, uh, hey, I see you're looking forward to UC versus Brian Kelly this year. I can't stand him for the departure in the Sugar Bowl. I am, yes, I am absolutely looking forward to that just because of the game itself. I, uh, I'm a little, I was pissed off about Brian Kelly leaving. I'm over it. It was 10, 12 years ago. I mean, that's unfortunately, that's the way college football works out now that if they're going to take a job like that, they got to leave. It sucks, but I'm over. I want the win. I'm hoping I can get some tickets. I want to go tomorrow because I'm going to the Bengals game and on Sunday. So I go to the Bearcats game on Saturday, Bengals on Sunday. It will be awesome. I will be fired up. So what are your thoughts on the defense? And with Lou, I'm not going to say, Armadillo, but I'll just say Lou, and and what he's got on his defense. Now, I, I personally think he has guys that are more suited to do what he's trying to do, trying to do than the guys he had before. Now, Joseph Osai, I think, is a big loss. Hopefully, Darius Hodge can step up and somewhat replace that. What's your thoughts on the players that the Bengals got on the roster right now, starting on Sunday, and how what Lou is trying to do with his defense? Well, we've talked a little bit about it previously uh, where they definitely spent on defense, right? And the kind of deal with free agency is like, you know, people want to talk about, oh, did you overpay? Did you underpay? Well, uh, generally the bargains are going to be so few and far between. You're generally going to have to overpay to get your guy, right? It's That's the nature of a competitive market. So maybe they overpaid by a million or $2 or three here and there for all these players. But that was to get Lou Anarumo's guys, right? So right, they spent more money on, on on for him than any other coach in history. I think to be honest, exactly. And so you've got Gino and you've got Carlos out the out the door. Obviously, you know Gino wasn't noted as being, uh, let's say, an outspoken uh, opponent of what Lou was trying to do on defense. But the point is that these are Lou's guys, and so even if you may think the signings were average guys who were paid a little bit above average money, 
they are ideally supposed to fit in this scheme, which will utilize all of their talents to the best of their abilities. It will help highlight their, their strengths and negate their weaknesses a little bit. That's why you get guys like a Mike Hilton who are extra blitzers that can help you generate that pressure that unfortunately you do lose from Osai, who looked very promising in the preseason. Um, you, you're expecting to see these exotic kind of looks, the, the movable chess pieces, that, you know, it was weird because, you know, you had Carl Lawson dropping into coverage occasionally. You had Von Bell earlier in the season maybe having responsibilities he shouldn't and just getting picked on in coverage. Um, it, it definitely felt like they were trying to find how everything fit together and how best to use everyone. They should have that plan in place now. So, obviously, people talk about Zach Taylor being on the hot seat possibly. Um, Lou Anarumo would be the first to go if this team starts to struggle, I think, because – unless they're holding teams to just 10 points and the offense is abysmal, I just don't see the way that he's not the scapegoat if this doesn't work with how much they've invested into that defense on the money and their draft picks over the last couple of years. So you hope it's improved by health. Obviously losing DJ Reader and Trey Waynes for the entire season was not ideal. Trey Waynes still injured, but hopefully only for the first couple of weeks. If that, um, you're hoping that a deeper cornerback room, yes, they may have – a slightly less higher-end talent in Shadobi Awuzi, depending on who you ask, comparing him to William Jackson. But overall, their cornerback room is very deep, and we've talked about this before. You want to be deep at corner, at edge, at wide receiver, and this is why, because injuries happen to those positions, and you can't just have a giant drop-off between your third and your fourth guy. That's encouraging. Uh, Ricardo Allen is an encouraging piece that he'll be able to get moved around and probably use as a chess piece. It's, it's going to have to be a lot of weight on the shoulders of Trey Hendrickson and Sam Hubbard, obviously. Um, they're going to have to produce. The sacks and the pressures have not been there in the last couple of years. Obviously, you have aging veterans, weird scheme fits with people who are maybe not buying in, et cetera, et cetera. But there's no excuses this year. It is this right. year for Winnerumo. It has to show up. The, the investments, as you said, that have been so uh, monumental compared to what other coaches – like Zimmer, who have been extremely proven, have had to work with. It's absolutely Anarumo has to show it very quickly or else he'll be gone. Now, uh, one thing you talk about is uh, Trey Waynes. Jennifer here has a uh, question. Evan, do you think Trey Waynes will be able to stay healthy for the season? And I just want to follow up with that. With him being out this Sunday for sure, that puts a lot of pressure on Eli Apple, I think, because I think he's going to be matched up with Justin Jefferson. How – I'm kind of nervous about that matchup, to be honest. What, what, what are your thoughts on is he going to play? Is Trey going to play play this year sometime? Is he going to go play the second week or and, right? And Eli Apple. So the scary part about this is uh, generally uh, a lot of fantasy football players will have experience with this. Um, when you have a player who's generally like a quick twitch position, especially skill positions like corner and wide receiver, and they have a soft tissue injury or a foot injury. Those are things that generally don't go away, that linger throughout the season, that are easily re-injured. Um, they're generally not as great as maybe like a sprain. Uh, maybe it's tough because yeah, you, he wasn't put on IR, so he's going to be back within hopefully the first two to three or so weeks, right? Mm -hmm. um, again, 
soft tissue. He could be feeling great for two weeks, go out there and be doing limited reps and personal work on the sidelines. And suddenly he just tweaks it. And all of a sudden it's another two or three weeks. That's the nature of these things. Hopefully they give it plenty of time and don't push him back too quickly. He takes his own time because you know, injuries aren't, you know, it's hard to blame a player for, you know, they're just, they're freaks that it happens. Right. Especially right. when you're moving that quickly, when you're demanding that force in your body, it's, it's easy to just have small little muscle fibers, have those little dings that slow you down. Right. Um, so he definitely wants to be out there. You hope just like Joe, he takes his time, gets out there. Right. So when he does get out there, he can help impact the team again you do feel confident that you have guys who have that experience in Shadobi and Eli Apple that you can rely on and Darius Phillips and Mike Hilton that are going to be able to help with that. Um, it's again, maybe not the high end talent, but very solid throughout, maybe not elite uh, cornerback unit, but a very complete cornerback unit. Um, you hope that with talented safeties, with the versatility that Jesse Bates lends you, that Vaughn Bill can help you play with, that you can throw some different looks there, uh, the Vikings way a little bit to try and lessen the load that you're demanding when you're asking guys to cover Adam Thielen and Justin Jefferson or Dalvin right. Cook out of the backfield, right? Um, it can be that's a tough ask of anybody. So um, obviously, it would have I think it would have been tough for Trey Waynes as well. Um, I don't know that. Obviously, Eli Apple has the pedigree, but his his career hasn't worked out to this point. You hope that it works out well enough to where he at least gives you average play. And with the level of play that the Bengals experienced at that position last year, I think getting average from Chidobe and from uh, Eli Apple as well, paired with hopefully a little bit uh, – a pass rush with a little more teeth and a little more juice – helps to aid those corners a little bit. Jesse Bates over the top helps to dissuade some of the over the top throws. It's more, again, the unit working together for that functionality right. as opposed to the individual matchup. Right. Yeah. And my, my biggest thing with that is we got to get pressure on the quarterback pressure, you know, with the same pressure breaks pipes. They got to get pressure on the quarterback. That to me, that's key. Obviously the whole thing to the whole thing to the secondary and since our secondary, it's still. I think it's as a whole, it's better than it was last year. I, you you can't cover a guy for more than what ten seconds, five seconds, whatever whatever the average is for an NFL wide receiver. It's kind of hard to cover for longer than that. So, the more pressure we get on, obviously, the better it's going to be for our cornerbacks. Now, you know we got this new kicker. Right? He's kind of close to your name. Heard of him before? You haven't been. You haven't been. You know, at least thought you were. You were Evan. McPherson heavy. <laughs> no, not yet. Uh, you know, for like maybe a half a second as the name came up on the screen, I was pretty excited. But uh, I, I got yeah. halfway through and then realized it was hey. it was not me being chosen by the Bengals. So maybe <laughs> next, maybe next go hey. around. Hey, he kicked a game winning field goal. You might want to go around. And say, yeah, I'm Evan McPherson. I, I, I right. oh, yeah. drink, oh, free drinks, free drinks exactly. around the city. But yeah, I, yeah. Uh, I'll just show my license and kind of hold my my finger over the rest of my name. Maybe, right. maybe they were just drunk uh, enough. Believe me, you know. Right, right, right. Marv once so said, "Evan McPhillips uh, is isn't that about the only nickname we didn't call our kicker?" With that being said, do you think he wins the game this weekend, or do we or do we win by two scores? 
I think it's going to be a close game. I think there's a very good chance that I was going to say Evan, if my options are win by the field goal with uh, with Evan McPherson or uh, win by two scores, I'm going to lean pretty heavily toward winning by a field goal. But uh, <laughs> obviously, very excited about what he's shown. Um, I'm going to just plead right now with Bengals Nation: Can we please retire the nickname Money Mick? Because God, that's <laughs> horrendous, atrocious, just offensive to all six senses. <laughs> yes, six. I mean, when someone says that, I get spidey sense for like 10 seconds, and it's even offensive to that. So, yes. That's that's, that's James Rapine's nickname for him. <laughs> it, it makes me cringe, yes, I know. And I hear him, I'll say it on Money Mick, baby. And, oh, I'm going to cause accidents coming down 275 every time. <laughs> well, you got Money Mick, you got – uh, the big Lauren calls him the leg cannon. Uh, Orange Arrow calls him, which I kind of like this one. This is kind of my favorite one. Evan Kickpherson. I kind of like that one. I like so, that one. That's original. Yeah. So, yeah. It's the the money Mick. It's just so – it's rough. It's abrupt. It's just – it's not – I don't like it. I, it's, it's sharp. It doesn't roll off the tongue well. It hits the ears wrong. You know, I mean, it's – that's, that's why we have regular words and verbs, right? You know, because stuff doesn't sound right, so people just say, screw the rules, we're going to do it a weird way. And this this is an instance <laughs> where that doesn't hit the ears right, it doesn't roll off the tongue well. It was a good effort. I appreciate the effort pushing that. But, yeah, we're going we're gonna to have to find something different. <laughs> well, I'll have to relay the message to, to, to James next time. Like, good, Evan yeah. says, is that money make? We're, we're going with Evan Kickpherson. <laughs> I'm, I'm all for that. I like that a lot better. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Let's get to the man, Jackpot Joey Burrow. And he's got a interview coming up. I think it's this Sunday on ESPN. And they let a little clip of it out. Um, and, you know, the guy asked a question to ask if there's any reservations or anything about his knee. He said no. Um, and he doesn't plan on wearing the knee brace his entire career. At least he hopes not. And the cool thing that I loved about it was he said, what's your expectations for this season? He said, playoffs, win the division. And that's when that's the mindset where I, of course you want to be to, to say that, but most second year quarterbacks, in my opinion, aren't going to say that, you know, unless they believe it. And I, this is where I think the Bengals have a chance to do that. And this is where I think the national narrative gets twisted because in my opinion, if Joe Burrow doesn't get hurt here, we're very close to being a 500 team. And that's where the national narrative goes, oh, well, they're 500 last year. Well, now the third year of, of Zach Taylor, the second year of Joe Burrow, they'll make that jump into the playoffs and stuff. Well, that didn't happen last year because Joe Burrow got hurt. Mm-hmm. I think we're making that jump anyway. I like Joe Burrow's confidence. I think his knee's healthy. I think we got a shot at the playoffs. Like I said, I, I put it out there, and when the schedule came out, I said 11 and 6. Might be a little high, but I think we're at least good for nine or 10 wins this year. So, what's your thoughts on Joe, his knee, playoffs, all that stuff? You definitely love that mindset, right? Yeah, you're right. A lot of people may take a more measured approach, right? Uh, they would say, hey, we're looking to improve on last year, and obviously our goal is the playoffs, but, you know, we're going to put in the work. or something. No, Joe went right at it, right? So you love to have that mentality. You want to have that from, the, from your leaders where that's kind of trickling down into the rest of the team. It's very contagious, that mindset. You want to have that hunger for the win, right? So that's great. Um 
I think you're going to see a much maybe more utilized Joe Burrow in the correct way, right? So when I what I mean when I say that is that they use more motion, they use more play action. Obviously, they can make things better on the offensive line that way. That makes things easier for them. Um, but also, just he was always and he was excellent. He was I don't I don't want to undersell this. He was elite, like yeah. top five or ten quarterback in the last like. 15 years elite in the intermediate part of the field, right? Between 10 and 19. Right. When they were going empty so much, they were trying to protect them for obvious reasons. They didn't feel comfortable about what they had. There's a lot of short throws. There's a lot of, you know, maybe the occasional deep shots up the sideline type deal, but there wasn't exactly a lot of time or uh, good structure for those kind of intermediate routes to develop. They are switching to that kind of under center look that's going to lend itself to more of those play action looks that's going to lend itself to more timing up with those kind of over routes, the crosser routes, those intermediate routes that one Joe Burrow is great at throwing. And two, a lot of his receivers are very good at catching. Tyler Boyd is exceptional working over the middle. And that, that includes Jamar Chase, even though he's kind of not catching the ball right now. <laughs> right. Yeah. But Hey, you know, I'm worried about that by the way. <laughs> right. Yeah. No, that's, that's its own conversation, but you know, you obviously have CJ Osama who can work the middle as well. And obviously had a good connection with Burrow last season before injury. Um, so it's encouraging to see that. And whether they make the playoffs or, you know, win nine or ten games, that's tough. If you're trying to be, let's say, generously realistic, you can talk yourself into seeing like eight wins on their schedule just looking at it. And, you know, we all know that those one-score games with football can go either way, right? That's why so many spreads week to week are less than four points, right? Um, obviously, it's usually that one-score type of deal. Um so I, I think there's definitely a realm, more of the realm, uh, the range of possibilities, the outcomes kind of land in that seven to eight win range with a little bit of that tail kind of falling at that five or six win range for severe injury and implosion or the nine or 10 win range for everything hits its stride. And this is exceptional. And the Bengals all take the jump and everything hits its ground, hits its stride at the same time. Right. Um, we hope for that. We expect that middle. We, we hope for the, the best-case scenario, right? And right. it sounds like they have the right mentality about going about it. And I think Joe Burrow is definitely going to be the driving train. As Daniel Jeremiah puts it, is your quarterback a tractor who's going to pull the rest of the team with him? Or is he the trailer who needs to be pulled to victory, right? I think uh, Burrow is the tractor who's going to be yeah. pulling this team to victory. Yeah, exactly. And the thing – and I always have to point this out too, to, to Bengals fan, again, national narrative – the Bengals and Zach Taylor under Zach Taylor's regime have been in the lead a lot of games. You know, they just can't finish them. And I think that's a big key this year is figuring out how to make the winning play, how to finish a game, you know, make the the the, the third down stop, make the, the third down catch or the fourth down catch or whatever, or you know, the, the three-yard run to get the first down. Make those plays to win the game. Then those have been the keys. That slipped away from the Bengals and, and Zach Taylor. I mean, if you remember Zach Taylor's very first game against Seattle, I, I will never forget this because I'm like, oh, I don't know how we're going to do this year. John Ross and game, baby. Yeah, we we took off. I mean, I'm like, wow, we look really good. Oh yeah, and then, tight end screens and beautiful scenes. Yeah. And yeah, I was like, oh, like ten targets to tight ends that game. I think. Yeah, I'm like, I'm I'm liking this. Then of course, lost. <laughs> right. I mean, last year. We had a great game against the Chargers. 
Now, if A.J. Green doesn't get called for the P.I., which I still don't think is a P.I., right. Joe Burrow leads his team down the field on his very first game. Eagle game, Colts game. game, yeah. I mean, it's just yeah. those so, I mean, games, man. It's, a, it's just one-score games. That's what they got to figure out how to win. And I think that is the the biggest key, and that's throughout the whole team, offense, defense, special teams. they got to make sure they make the, the, the win. I keep saying the winning plays. The winning plays to win the game. And once they figure that out, I think it's a light bulb is going to go off. And the not, not that they're not confident that they can't do it, but once you do it, you're like, all right, we got this, you know? And I think that's that's one of the keys that's got to happen this year. Uh, Jennifer has a question here for you. Uh, she said, do you think – or who do you think is going to be the biggest breakout player for the season – for the, for our Bengals this year? Gosh, biggest breakout player. Uh, mm, that's put you on the spot. That's tough because I would have, I would have loved to have said like Joseph Osai because he was. Uh, <laughs> that would have uh, been an easy one. <laughs> That's what I would have yeah, picked. No, I think let's go ahead and let's put it on Logan Wilson because he's got the green dot. He's apparently got assuming quite a large role in that defense. It's going to be a pretty big make or break. They're putting a lot on his plate, and we're going to see and how he handles that. And he definitely looked. You you saw that gradual progression where. He looked a little bit lost those first couple of weeks and then really started to come along toward the end of the season and looked really more sure of himself, more confident. And he was one of the better performers in the preseason as well. So even in limited action, I think it was like 20 snaps that he played. It's it's encouraging to see and very encouraging that they feel comfortable handing the keys to the defense there. That's exciting. So I think any Bengals fan can get excited about having good linebacker play. So hopefully they can get Logan Wilson where he can be a captain in the middle of that defense that pairs with a Jesse Bates and a nasty pass rush to kind of give the Bengals that threat at all three levels of their defense. Exactly. I'm, I'm trying to look at the, the chats here and get some of the, the questions up here and some of the comments here. Let me put Jennifer's up here. Um, she said, I see Joe Burrow doing his, his doing a lot of his own call play calling this, this season like he did at high school at LSU. Do you, I, I think he's going to. I, I think they're going to put oh, yeah. a lot more of the play calling everything in, in his hands. And like you said, he's going to be under center a lot, so that's going to be a, a different um, different look for them. So I, I think it's going to be a, a big breakout year as far as the different things. Like the playbook was a little bit to be open, fully open this year. So he, he is going to be making the calls and more like Drew Brees and, and Peyton Manning and, and Tom Brady do, do this year. So – I'm very excited to see what this offense is going to look like. Now, let's, now we talked about it a little bit, though, but let's get to the Jamar Chase drops. I'm not worried about it at all. I mean, I, I'm not. I mean, it, it's happened. Like, and I keep saying the guy has been playing for an entire year. And it's when you go from, I don't care if you play in the SEC or not, <laughs> you go from college to the NFL, it's a big jump. It's an even bigger jump, I think, when you haven't played for a whole year. Right. Um, the ball's a different size. It's coming in. He's excited. Are you worried about it? I'm not. No, and there's kind of a couple reasons. And one is because, like, I think a little bit is getting acclimated, getting back to it, a little bit of rust. Like you said, he's sometimes looks like he's a little bit worried about contact. Sometimes he's just not concentrating on the drop, and he's so worried about trying to make a play after the catch that he forgets about the entire catch process, right? Right. Um, These are all things that are coachable that you can settle in with time where you kind of relax and say, okay, 
I'm just going to play ball. I'm going to stop thinking about it so much, be so excited. I mean, for anybody who's gotten into a game, you know, the the jitters, as soon as you walk on like the basketball court, you know, your first shot you put up and then you get in the rhythm a little bit and you're fine. Right. And it's, it's, it's that uncomfortableness of not playing right. for a while or, if you play video games and then you stop and then you play again six months later, you're a lot worse than you were, even though you weren't doing anything. But that's the thing. Sometimes when you're just not doing it three, four hours a day all the time at the highest right. level, you get a little rusty. You, right. you, you take some time to knock that off. So obviously that's a really basic way of looking at it. But just to put it in you know basic terms that us normal humans can kind of understand <laughs> a little bit, you know, it's doing things at the highest level. That's just rust that accumulates these are concentration drops that are coachable. And finally, when we look at a lot of drops year to year, those are not something that generally correlates. It's rare that you find a player who year to year, they're at the top of the league and drops somewhere. It's usually something that was weird with, you know, chemistry with the quarterback. They weren't looking in with concentration drops. You know, maybe they had the yips for a little bit. And so they figured that out. We saw that with guys like Amari Cooper, where people – Nobody wanted to touch him for a year in Oakland. He says, oh, God, look at him. He's got nine drops on the season. This is terrible. He's awful. Send him to Dallas. Good riddance. And then he gets to Dallas, and he looks like a superstar, right? And it's on. <laughs> right. And it's like, oh, my gosh. Like, wait, he was this player the whole time? And it's like, yeah, yeah, he was. Yeah, he was. It's crazy what your your confidence in your situation, the change, like the scenery. It's just it's a lot of mentality stuff, too, to where, you know, he – just went back to playing Amari Cooper football, you know, and yeah. it turns out Amari Cooper's pretty good at football. Like we, we know from watching the tape that Jamar Chase is good at football. Oh, the yeah. catches and the drops weren't an issue looking at his college tape. That's kind of encouraging to know that this is probably just a small blip. It's obviously something that he needs to work on, that he needs to get better about. If he's got, you know, five or six drops within the first half of the season, then obviously, you know, we're probably pretty upset. But at the same time, <laughs> yeah, it'll be it'll be a thing then. Then, then, then I'll yeah, start worrying yeah, about it. But yeah, again, we talked about preseason. I, I'm not worried yeah. about it again. Like no. the, uh, Joe Burrow is probably the only quarterback he had caught passes from before that game for like a year and a half. So, again, I'm not trying to slander Brandon Allen. I'm not trying to put any fault on him. Obviously, Jabbar Chase has to do this. But these are all just factors that compound and add up to, hey, if you do this uh, simulation 100 times, the Jamar Chase preseason, maybe two out of the 100 times he has these five drops. This right. is just that scenario where he has those, right? right? The same way if you flip a coin, yeah, the odds are 50-50, but – there is that scenario where I get 10 heads in a row, right? Like sometimes that just happens. So hey, don't freak out. Joe, don't react. Go ahead. Don't sorry. you know? I said, no, I'll interrupt you. My bad. I said, don't you know tails never fails? <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's what we, on my high school baseball team, that's what we always did. Tails but that's the fails. thing, right? Like you win five, yeah. you win five head tosses in a row going tails and you're like, shoot. All right. Well, I'm never going away from tails. Right. Like right. That, it's not the probable outcome, but it is mm -hmm. a, an outcome that can happen. Right. So I think we're just looking at one of those weird outlier outcomes where instead of, you know, two drops on five targets, he has, you know, four or five on the five targets. So it's it's just I think just don't overreact to it. He's still an extremely talented player. He's not just suddenly not worth it. You you obviously want him to walk off the bus and be Calvin Johnson, but like we know that's not how regular players yeah. work. Right? So I keep comparing I keep comparing it to AJ Green. Not everybody's AJ Green to walk off and just become the man. Right out of college, it just doesn't right. happen to everybody. I mean, just look at look at Justin Jefferson last year; he didn't really start getting going to game four. So that's where some people ask me, like, "You think you think Chase is going to 
take off right away? I honestly don't think so. I think and 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 Boyd are going to be a bigger factor at first. I mean, kind of like with what Royce says here. He is, you know, they they're. I think they'll ease Joe back and lean heavily on Mixon, Mixon 100 yards and 40 yards rushing. I, that I, I I could see them doing that too. I mean, I could see them easing him in. But then again, it depends on how like they're going to take a, a deep shot eventually. If they oh yeah can do it and they know they can do it consistently, they're going to keep doing it, which is an obvious statement. Have you seen how Honestly, Higgins looks? Of course they're taking deep shots, man. Feed that man. He exactly. looks like he's eating plenty already, but let's feed him some more. Shoot. Well, and that's the thing, too. Everybody, everybody's so excited about Chase, which I am, too. But let's not forget about T. I mean, we really legitimately have two X players. You, well, there you is no about, uh, rookie struggles, right? T. Higgins. Yeah. Jamar Chase yep. didn't play, we talked about, right, for the last year. T. Higgins played all the way through until the championship game. Mm -hmm. And then he went straight into training camp and had all that to where he didn't have that break. And even then – he didn't come on until like week three, week four. Well, look, look at season. look at Boyd. How, how Boyd his first what year and a half, right? It wasn't exactly. a big a big factor. So sometimes it, it takes it takes time. Now Chase is getting the pressure because he's a number five overall pick. So I understand, right. and and I guess hey, I, I haven't helped at all with the, with the hype. I'm a huge Chase fan. I you know you and me were on the the Civil oh, yeah. War with Ace and Zim, and we're we're Team Chase. We're like yeah, he's gonna be great. Right. But I'm like it's not surprising that he's kind of getting off to a slow start like in the training camp. But dude, I've, I've been down there on the bridge. I've seen him make one handed catches. I've seen him make diving catches. I've seen him make really, really good catches. So I'm not worried about chase at all. I think he's going to be perfectly fine, but let's get back to um, the offense and how do you think they're going to start off right away? Gunslinging down the field or, or is it going to be more of a ball control and trying to break Joe back into it? Or are they just going to go balls to the wall? I think they're going to have a game script that starts out a little bit run heavier. And then maybe with some, some good play action looks that try and tie in a little bit based off of what they show in the run game. Maybe some, some looks that have just slight tweaks where they look very similar. Or maybe they can try and catch the defense slipping or a little bit jumpy early, right? Oh, I recognize this. And then next thing you know, that you got somebody leaking out behind you or crossing over in the traffic and against the grain of the play or flow, the flow of the play. So there's definitely opportunity um, for them to take some shots. Like you said, they may go, oh, well, the Bengals scouting report says that they were a bad deep passing team. Well, screw it. All right. Play number one, play action to Joe Mixon, long ball to T, right? You know, I mean, it, they may try and get cute like that, but I think you will see a more run-heavy script. And then as they will kind of maybe read the flow of the game and either steer away from that or maybe go to a more pass-heavy um, kind of game plan after that script runs out, if they see that Joe is comfortable, has been hit a couple times, has kind of gotten through, you know, his – like we said, the start of the game, just not and just jitters. Not that he's, you know, right. a nervous guy or anything. He, but, he's got to get that first hit out of the way. I think he's, he's electric. Like, you know, yeah. he wants to make a play so bad. Right. He's so excited just yeah. a little bit to get the butterflies down to where, like, okay, I'm in rhythm. I'm breathing regular. Right. All right, let's do this. I'm we're, ready. we're good. Yeah. 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 I, I, I think, and I think Joe, like Joe wanted to get hit in preseason. He wants to get right. the hit over with. Just hit him, get him up, and let's go. So let, let's see here. What is this? Uh, I've never heard. This person is new to the show. Six six one nine Bengals fan Garcia. I heard that Jamar Chase said that the NFL footballs, oh, 
too hard to catch. Wow. <laughs> no, no he, he never said he, that. My understanding is he got asked, what's the difference between the college ball and the NFL ball? And then yeah. he's like, oh, well, the differences are this, this, and this. Yeah. And everyone said, oh, my God, Jamar Chase is making excuses yeah. for why he can't catch. And he's like, no, like somebody just somebody asked, asked him the differences. This? So I started naming them. Like, yeah. The no, ball, the, mean, the size of the ball, it's a it's a bigger it's a bigger football. Right. And he didn't run away from that at all. He nah. didn't say I'm making excuses. He's like, look, I'm saying like, yeah, like there's differences, but I also have to be a professional and catch that ball. Yeah. He he came out and said that. And it's mm-hmm. it's not like he's like, Oh, well, yeah, I had issues with drops, but this and this and this, like yeah. never. Like someone directly asked him, like, you know. What are the differences? And he's like, yeah, it's different, but like that shouldn't be a reason. I need, I'm a professional, you know. And yeah. I, he handled it that way, but obviously things get taken out of context. And again, national narrative. And once it gains momentum, you know, it's that's uh, it's, it. it's 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 law. Once once the national narrative, gets, oh, he can't right. catch it. He he's making excuses. I'm like, well, you know, he also said in minicamp he's got to get used to hash marks. They're different too. So. Oh gosh, which, yeah. Oh, he can't run routes now because the hash marks are different. <laughs> right. I mean, which is uh, all they're all. Well, Jamar Chase is running things. the wrong way when ball snapped. Can't find me out. Like, <laughs> right. Like, yeah, what's it going to be next? Who knows? Right, exactly. Well, I can't wait for Sunday. I'm going to be down there in the tire den in section 158. Evan, you've been on for almost an hour. As always, dude, I appreciate you coming on. It's always a blast Thanks having you on here. You're full of fun and <laughs> insightful information. Tell everybody where they can follow you and what you got going on now. So everybody can follow me on Twitter at emcphil. I'm going to be tweeting a little bit about just some general kind of statistics and analytics I see throughout the season, some highlight plays, obviously, that get lost on the Red Zone channel and between the national broadcasts sometimes. So not everything always makes it to Twitter, but I'll try and find some interesting things to highlight. So just keep an eye out for that. And obviously uh, I'm going to be a little bit more of a Bengals fan this season. So you may see some – some more orange color lens type of deal coming through. I'm still a bit of a realist, but at the same time, you know, this is the team I grew up with. Put the glasses on, man. Put the glasses on. <laughs> it's, it's a good look. on. No, it's going to be a fun season, man. I'm very excited as I'm sure a lot of people are. So I'm ready for football. Absolutely, dude. I am I'm ready for, for football. Mrs. Ice is ready because there's t- her team is playing tonight. So I'll be, well, actually the funny thing is, see, this is, this is what's funny about my wife. And this is what I guess girls are different than guys. <laughs> Like I'm like, hey, you know, the Buccaneers are on tonight. You're, you're going to watch it? She goes, oh, yeah. But you know what else is on? I, said, I don't know what. Big Brother. I was like, <laughs> so I'm going to be flipping back and forth. I was like, seriously? She said, yes. I'm like, you can you record it. Big Brother on Hulu or something, yeah. right? Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. Like, you can record it. Or, or yeah. I, you know, I, I say record yeah, it. That's not going to be Yeah, live action football. That's a drone for you. All you see is one score, and it's like, well, there you go. I'm, right. I'm but anyway, I, I, I got to give her crap about it. I, I love her to that. She's awesome. But, yeah. Anyway, Evan, I appreciate you coming on the show. And de- definitely, dude, don't be a stranger, and we'll, we'll get you on the show uh, definitely later on when the season starts, which is Sunday. Woo! Can't wait, brother. Who day? Who day? All right, guys. I hope you guys enjoyed that. I always love having Evan on the show. He's Like I said, he's full of a ton of information. And the thing is, he does that off the top of his head. He wasn't looking. There's been times on here he's been on his computer. He was doing it off the top of his head. That's 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 pretty impressive. I, I like that, Evan. You, you kind of remind me of me. I've taught you well. Oh, I'm just kidding. <laughs> anyway, let me get to the Facebook groups that let me live stream. I appreciate every single one of them. They are Hootay Nation, Bengals Nation, Hootay Legion, 
Cincinnati Bengals to jungle. Cincinnati Reds riding third, heading for home, which the Reds aren't playing today, so we don't have to worry about them losing, which was a god-awful loss last night. That's why I really don't want to talk about it. They play the Tweety Bird starting tomorrow. I see you there, Jeff. <laughs> Holmes, hopefully we'll beat your Tweety Birds. We need to. Um, Bearcat Country, the Ohio State Bucknuts, the Ice Bar, and you can follow me on all my social media platforms, all under Sports with Strawberry Ice. I'm on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Twitter handle is at Jeff A. Trenopole. It's T-R-E-N-N-E-P-O-H-L. Also on TikTok, it's uh, Ice, at Iceman90. Just look up Sports with Strawberry Ice. They'll all pop up. You can follow. You can find me. I'll be pulling the sound off later on tonight, putting it on the podcast. So if you missed any of it, if you missed the Brian Pillman intro, it's awesome. I'll probably end it with this again. I love it. You got Black White Production and New Stripes. Go find that on their YouTube channel. I love to get this thing played in the stadium. Tomorrow, or not tomorrow, Sunday. If you're going to the game, and this is not, I'm not taking credit for this. This is Bengals captain's, Bengals captain's idea. And I think it's a great idea. Since Ken Anderson and Ken Riley did not make the Pro Football Hall of Fame, we want the Bengals fans to show their support and our disappointment in them not making it. Wear number 13 or number 14 or both to the game as much as you can. It's it's the Bengals wearing white. I'm going to make a shirt that says both of them on there. I haven't told Mrs. Isis yet, but I'm working on that hopefully tomorrow. Probably be after I record. I'm going to record an episode tomorrow with uh, Joe Goodberry. So make sure you check out tomorrow's show. Um, but where Ken Anderson, Ken Rowley, to Paul Brown Stadium to just say, hey, they're supposed to be in a Pro Football Hall of Fame. Let's do this thing. YouTubers, my originals, I appreciate every single one of you guys. We're at 1,355 subscribers. That is awesome. And like I always say, if it wasn't for the first person to subscribe to my show, I would not be able to keep doing this because nobody's watching it. There's no reason to do it. Tell your friends, tell your neighbors about Sports Strawberry Ice. Try to get up to 2,000. I'm getting close. Get close. And other than that, as my boy, Jeremy Dimebag Dean likes to say, remember one thing and one thing only, and that is, I'm from the streets of Cincinnati, welcome to the jungle! And that's just sports, baby. See ya!
we win it Orange and black and white, we build it Earn our stripes, you know we kill it Bleed our colors, jungle dripping Nasty, natty, yeah, we live it Lit the crowd, get the city loud Yeah, we feasting now Fit the bounce, make the city howl Now we beastin' now Thunder through the tunnel From the sideline to the huddle Stripes, we tatted on the jungle When we flex that who they muscle on Stripes Cincinnati, we gon' rise in the Cincinnati, we gon' rise in love